got the real deal now. Ooh. Gonna kick this sorry ass out on the street. Welcome to the London Wrestling Podcast. My name is Robert Fuller, and returning to the show is Corey Santiago. Corey, welcome back. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, and uh, we are continuing our series into the Undertaker streak, and this time he's facing Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 25. Um, this is generally going to be possibly the best uh, of the streak matches that he's had so far. Um, what I find interesting is that it seems to involve a lot of religious themes, especially with the emphasis. Oh, definitely, man. This 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 definitely tugged in sometimes, uh, which can be a very controversial topic. Uh, but you know, for for me, for stuff that doesn't you know get bothered so easily, I thought it was great the way that they played the the two sides of good and evil off in this one. Yeah. Um. So with this one, the um, Westman took away this one at, in Houston, which is important to us. That is technically Undertaker's hometown. Um, the whole story just begins kind of in, not really, it's not really related to Undertaker to begin with. Because uh, December 2008, um, Sean Michael becomes, essentially offered to become a player of JBL. Uh, because he, uh, in the storyline, he lost all his personal savings to the Global Obsession. Um, pretty much just JBL, I've not, I've not really seen this storyline, but I think JBL just like treats like a dick throughout. But uh, Michaels gets out of it by taking part in an all or nothing mat and no way out the month beforehand. Um, and then he defeats Vladimir Kozlov to put the right to fight so he can face Undertaker at WrestleMania. And one thing that does bug me, and I did it last year with Punk, is that I don't really think you should have a match. To have the right to challenge the streak, I think it should be you challenge him or he challenges you. I don't really think you have a match to get that opportunity. Uh, I completely agree with you on that. That's something that really bugged me last year with the whole punk thing. Was you know with, with Taker and the streak being so important. You know, I mean, in a way, it's kind of a like an honor if you win something like that in order to face the Undertaker, but. You know, when we when we go through, you know, the consecutive matches with Sean and then the consecutive match with Triple H where there was a big story behind it, you know, it, it's weird that, you know, they kind of, they kind of, you know, put a match together for the fact that, oh, this, he beat, you know, a couple guys, so he deserves to face The Undertaker. And, you know, I've never been a fan of that. I always liked, you know, feuds like that to really have a big meaning behind it. And actually, a little fun fact about that, that Shawn Michaels, Vladimir Kozlov match, uh, I was actually there live for that Monday Night Raw when that match took place and Shawn won that match in order to to uh, get the chance to face The Undertaker. And I remember them, you know, going at it, Shawn winning, and then seeing The Undertaker come out, and you know, on the stage and staring down Shawn as they started their, their build to WrestleMania. So uh, that was pretty cool to actually be there to see that all take place. But, you know, stuff like, it, it was weird because, like, we had talked about, you know, when we last did our, this podcast with uh, 
Kane and the Undertaker and how their build, you know, pretty much started at Survivor Series, you know, back in November, and then it, you know, progressed, you know, each month towards. I mean, like you said, this one basically just started a month before WrestleMania even took place because Sean was involved in the whole JBL storyline, and they kind of planted the seed, you know, at that Royal Rumble where Undertaker showed up in like the locker room while Michaels was having his own little moment, and I think gave him some type of advice or something, and so they kind of planted the seed there with it but it really didn't you know start to really heat up until sean won that match so you know a much different type of build between taker and kane and sean michaels and taker yeah um so we'll get to the match itself um also involving the religious themes because uh sean michaels became a born again christian um the type obviously is that the last stadium in houston so obviously a massive stage um, you get to see Shawn Michaels ascend from the top of the stage, all in white, all dressed in white, um, kind of wearing the Undertaker's costume, but obviously in white. Uh, going down to like this angelic music, and he comes down, leaves the, like, the platform he was in, and you hear the um, HBK music. And uh, with Undertaker's entrance, uh, it's complete opposite. It's like, it's really dark. Uh, I see him actually come up from technically hell they come up from like the bottom of the stage and i like the contrast in emphasis there yeah those those are i think you know some of the best wrestlemania entrances combined that i think we've seen i mean you know Shawn michaels basically coming down from heaven and the undertaker coming up from hell uh basically told you you know the, the difference between you know here's Shawn michaels who's believes in the good and the undertaker who's always believed in the darkness and the evil and i remember you know the lead up to, to the match there was a smackdown where uh you know, Sean came out, you know, kind of like an Undertaker type entrance, and he had the whole white jacket, you know, white pants, the white hat, and all that. And, you know, basically he was mocking the Undertaker. And then I think the Undertaker came off under the ring and, you know, almost chokeslammed Sean or something like that. So, yeah. You know, doing that, you know, with the, the whole religious thing, like I said earlier, could, you know, strike up, you know, a controversial topic. But I thought for, for these two, where they both, you know, pretty much have the same the, the belief in what, you know, decide that they choose you know so heavily that uh to have that visual of seeing each guy you know one coming from you know up top and one coming up from below i thought that you know that was a great way to just start the match we haven't even the bell hasn't even rung yet and i thought that was already uh a great moment yeah i mean i just thought about it now i mean it kind of does kind of make sense because it takes like this dark minds being like telling come out from bottom of the wings and dragging people through bottom of the wings it's nothing like um, John Cena's entrance three years after this, where he's got a choir, he's all about being humble, and so he, he seems to like kind of not so much rub it in the, in the faces, but seems to just like kind of amplify something that shouldn't really be amplified. Yeah, yeah I know. I, I, get, I think I get what you're talking. What, you, uh, what you're talking about? Yeah. Um, so with. Um, this one, um, the commentators in this one are Michael Cole, Jeremy Lawler, and Jim Ross. Um, I, obviously, I love Jim Ross doing play with play, but actually, I enjoy him just as much. He's like the third guy. He doesn't, you know, doesn't need to focus on this so much. But he kind of, he kind of gives a bit of story behind the wrestlers and all that stuff. And he kind of does a lot in this match. Yeah, I mean, you know, the commentator, you know, I, I've always enjoyed Jim Ross when, you know, he does his commentating because I feel like he brings a different type of element to the to commentary that we don't see anymore, you know, with, with today's commentaries with Cole and Lawler and JBL. Because I think, 
you know, Jim Ross is so good at getting the story over and, and, you know, bringing the emotion and what you're seeing to life with words, not just only the visuals. So uh, for him, you know, to be able to, to call an Undertaker match, uh, to me, has always been one of the best parts because it, it sucks you in even more to what you're witnessing. Yeah. Um, so the match starts, um, Undertaker uh, goes through the punches a couple of times, but uh, Michael dodges him and hits the flare chop. Um, he managed to get um, it taken in the corner, hits a few punches, but um, take a grabs him, tries to send him on the top rope, but Michael lands on the apron and starts punching him. In the beginning of this match, it's like Michael's is just going all out. He's trying like a bit like what Batista did a couple of years beforehand, trying to keep him all out, trying to like keep you no know, Undertaker off his feet, off his game, which is which is really good. Well, it turns to be futile in the end, but it's actually a good plan to have. Yeah, I think it's, you know, with the mentality of let me try and go all out on this guy right from the get-go to make him use as much energy as possible to try and defend everything so that, you know, I know I'm in for a long battle here that, you know, maybe once we get past the 20-minute mark and here we are in the later stages of this match that maybe he won't have as much left in the tank and if I, you know, can just hit that one more big move on him, I'll be the one to finally break the streak. Yeah, um... Shawman goes in the second row, does the DX shot and leap force taker, and it looks like he lands bad on his knee. Um, that turns out to be what Gorilla Monsoon would be called playing possum. As um, when Otaki goes for Shawn Michaels, Michael does a loose fresh pass, but um, that doesn't really go well because Taker grabs, obviously grabs Michaels, falls him into the corner. Uh, one thing I've noticed when Taker's matches, by the way, is that there's a lot of brawling, a lot of like fighting in the corners, kind of like, I know you, you, you thought you were a big MMA fan, but it's kind of like taking bits of those kind of matches into the into the WrestleMania matches. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Taker is a big MMA fan himself, so I'm sure that he always likes to incorporate a little of that into his matches here and there. And, you know, he always does those spots in the corners where he'll go for the big punches and all that. So you know, I know that he probably watches some stuff and thinks, you know, maybe, maybe I can take something from here and, you know, incorporate it into one of my matches. Um, Michaels gets bounced off one corner by taking an, um, it receives a back body drop. They can scoop, they receive a scoop, Simon elbow for two. Um, Taker does those scores and tries to go for the big boot in the corner but misses, ends his leg. And this is when Michaels sees an opportunity. He's now going to focus on the leg that Undertaker's as just injured. And he applies the figure four. And I, I think, the way Shawn Michaels does it is really weird. Yeah, I mean, Michaels has always been, you know, his own unique type guy where he'll he'll do things that you probably haven't seen before, including just, you know, a simple move like that. Yeah. Um, with this, um, you know, Undertaker managed to get out of it, but uh, Michaels focuses back on the leg and drop Taker take on the knee. Um, Taker gets Michael in the bed hook. <laughs> And uh, puts him back in the corner, starts beating on him. Um, he then sends Michael to the opposite corner, hits two other splashes, splashes side. Uh, the snake ties, then the big boot, and then a leg drop for two. Um, one thing, then goes to the choke stand, but he refers to the cross face. Um, and I like this bit because it's um, one thing that Taker tries to reverse into a roll up, but Michael tries to like reverse the momentum and but keep on the cross face. 
yeah, you know, at this point, there's a lot of good back and forth stuff going on and showing, you know, you got two legends going in there who have faced each other, you know, many times before, but never on this big of a stage. So, you know, they're still trying to feel each other out and try and counter everything that they're throwing at each other. And it seems like one always has the answer for the other at this point. But, uh, yeah, you know, the stuff that they do early on where it's, you know, I'm going to do something, but now here I am going to try and top you uh, was a good pace to start it off. Yeah, um, with this... Um Take fans over, hit a slide slam, and then send Michael off the top rope. Uh, Michael does a few more flare chops, and then a flying soda charge, and then he does an inverted atomic drop, which I've not seen in years, by the way, because hardly anyone does that. And then more. Yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a lost art right there, is an atomic drop. You don't, you do not see many of those these days. No, um, I've, I've got this time how many chops Michael's does in these two matches. He does a lot. Completely. Yeah, I, I, I remember. I remember the chops. I remember Taker's chest just looking beat red by the time those matches are over and it's all like cut up. And, you know, Michaels really loved his chops against The Undertaker. And I'm sure Taker loved them just as much. Yeah. Um, the a bit now where um, Taker gets Michaels ready for the choke slam. But Michael managed to jump out of it and kick him in the stomach. He goes to his figure four again. But Undertaker managed to put on the Hell's Gate. And I'm not, I don't, I'm not sure how you feel about this, but I've never been a big fan of Undertaker having it like a submission maneuver. Yeah, well, I think once again, this goes back to, you know, him being the MMA fan and wanting to incorporate something like that into his, you know, arsenal and, uh, I don't, I don't know about how I really feel about the Hell's Gates. I always feel like it's never going to work. <laughs> I mean, I think yeah. he's only really won with it a couple. I mean, he did end up beating Triple H with the, you know, a couple years later, but, um, yeah, it's, it's never really looked all that, you know, physical, you know, impaling and all that. I think if he would go with a traditional, like, triangle type choke where it's the legs, you know, behind the neck instead of yeah. in front of it, I think that would look more, you know, it's the eye it would look more like it was doing more damage than what it does now. But yeah. I mean, it, it's a legit submission move. It, 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 but it's really hard to pull off. So you don't really see it that much in MMA. But uh, I think that he just wanted to try something different and that's what he went with. Yes. Um, well, sorry, Michael, Michael, Michael gets to the rope anyway. Uh, this is when Ashton goes to the outside for a while. Um, Taker bounces Michael's head off the steps and then Bo misses a guillotine drop and then receives a baseball slide. Um, Michael goes for the moonsault, but he just misses and just lands in a heap on the floor. Um, the referee tends to Michael's and once Taker does now, he goes into the ring and then goes for the suicide dive over the top rope. Michael pushes the ref out the way and pulls the cameraman in, so he hits, Undertaker hits him instead. Unfortunately, he doesn't because it's probably the worst suicide I've ever seen. It's an impressive move when he does it right, but this is, this is, it is brutal to watch because Undertaker misses and this camera's trying to catch him, but he ends up like having Undertaker pretty much land on the guy's neck. It did not look nice. Oh man, that that spot is always one that makes me cringe, even to this day when I watch it. I mean, you know, Taker for the for his size has always been able to do these amazing things in the ring that he probably shouldn't be able to do, and flying over the top rope is one of them. And you know, I think he kind of got tripped up when he went over the top rope, and his feet, you know, got caught, and then. You know, the cameraman wasn't in the exact same position. The cameraman was actually Deuce from Deuce and Domino, you know, Jimmy Snooker's son. Oh, right. Uh, who, we, who we never saw after that, I think, because he almost killed The Undertaker. But, uh, yeah, man, that that spot was just absolutely 
grotesque. You know, I thought for a second that Taker came very, very close, you know, to being severely injured. I mean, just the one more, like, you know, couple inches in or something like that, and he could really have landed on his neck and broken yeah. his neck, or it could have been really, really bad compared to what it was. But, you know, it's it's a big highlight in the match, you know, when people go back and remember it, that they remember that, that spot of Taker flying over the top rope and not being able to connect on that dive and almost killing himself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, to defend the, come, the guy slightly, it did, it, it had a very little time, because pretty much as soon as, pretty much Michaels is pulling him hard, taking his butt to jump in the air. So he, he never really had time to kind of, you know, set himself and kind of judge it. So it, it was, I think it was a great spot, but it's just, I think just the timer was a bit off on it. Yeah, yeah, there was definitely a timing issue, I think, on, on a lot of people's parts. Maybe on Sean's part of waiting too long to grab him, or yeah. I don't I don't know if, you know, Deuce was in the wrong position and wasn't and should have been closer for the time when Sean grabs him. So who knows what the real story is on, on how that was supposed to go down. But the timing issue is definitely what threw everything off and made it look, you know, as bad as it did. Yes, yes um, Michael's is the first recover, and revised the uh, at this time, another referee just has to make sure Undertaker is legitimately okay. Um, and Michael obviously pleads the ref to start the Ken count. The crowd don't take that well, but he hears slight boos. Yeah, well, I think many people, you know, you're going to watch The Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels, and the last thing you want to see is, you know, the match be decided on a 10 count on Taker not being able to get back to his feet. So they're probably feeling, you know, come on, Sean, you know, you're supposed to be Mr. WrestleMania and, you know, you've had all these classic WrestleMania matches go out there and, you know, hit your sweet chicken music and pin the Undertaker to really beat him. Don't take this way out in order to beat him. Yeah. Um, but sorry, Taker just rolls in before the 10 count. Uh, Michael's can't believe it. So he goes to the sweet chicken music, but Taker managed to get out of it and hit the choke slap for two. Um, did we get a few reversals here, a bit of chain wrestling? Um, hopefully I've got this right. Taker puts Michaels onto his shoulder and Michael might get out of it and then go for the street chain music. Um, Taker try goes for the choke slam, but that's then reversed again into a street chain music and that only gets two. I love, I love the way they kind of like try and counter each other moves in that bit. Oh yeah, they were doing they were doing great stuff there with the reversals and then you know hitting some big finishing moves and leading into false finishes and you, know, you could tell the crowd was getting into it because they were jumping up, popping every single time something like that would happen and, and every two count you know they you'd see people either throw their hands up and oh come on that should have been three or you know excitement that yes you know Taker or Michaels kicked out so you know the the, the reversals and the false finishes were were big in in this exact match. Yeah, and there's no one just after this because um, Undertaker goes for the last ride. Um, and Michael is managed to like, try to do a sunset flip. Um, fortunately, Taker's like a good, what, six, seven inches taller than him. So it, obviously, Taker just doesn't go down. And he, he picks Michael literally off the mat, hits the big boot, and then the last wide, and that only gets two as well. Yeah, so he goes right back to there. You know, another big finishing move that Taker has beaten, you know, a good amount of guys with. And, yeah. you know, but it's Sean at WrestleMania, you know, for both of these guys, if you're going to beat them, you got to make sure that you really put them down in order to get the three. Yeah. Um, and then um, there's a bit where Undertaker uh, tries to close my Michaels at the top rope, but Michaels, I think he did it when he was younger as well, but Michael kind of flips over but keeps holding the top rope. 
Um, try to flip. Try to use his left to flip Undertaker over the top rope to the floor. Undertaker instead keeps a hold of Michaels, pulls him off the rope, and hits a tombstone. And that gets two as well. And Undertaker's face is just this this look as to say, what do I need to do here? I have done everything and it's not working. Oh, yeah, that's that's one of my favorite spots of the whole match where Michaels, you know, he always loved to do the skin the cat move where he goes over the top, holds yeah. the rope, and pulls himself back in. And then when he tries to do it this time, and Taker has him and then pulls him in and, you know, bam, hits a tombstone, and then you get the one, two, and here's Michaels. You know, this is supposed to be the move that is the exclamation point on the whole match. This is supposed to be the ending where Taker's beating everybody with this move. This is it, and Shawn Michaels kicks out. And like you said, the... The look on Taker's face, I think, really sold this entire match of the battle that these two were having where they're giving everything they've got. They're hitting each other with, with their biggest moves, but it still just isn't enough. And Taker just to be like, you know, what do I got to do to kill this guy to end this yeah. thing right here? Definitely to me, I think that's where we really, you know, hit the, the climax part of this match. Yeah. Um, so Taylor thought he to go for the tombstone again, like his first two DDT. Uh, Michael goes to the top row, hits his elbow drop, and then hits a street chain music for two. Um, just after that, the try is, is chanted, this is awesome, and I have to agree. Oh, yeah, I mean, it, you know, f- for me watching this, I mean, leading up to this to this match, I thought the, that WrestleMania 25 was really, you know, it didn't have much spark, and, you know, going through the pay-per-view was kind of, and eh, nothing was really going on. And then we hit this match, and, you know, here we go. This is this is what, you know, you paid for admission, whether you paid a ticket to go see it live, or you bought it on pay-per-view or whatever, but you were definitely getting your money's worth watching these two go at it. Yeah, um, they put the both get up, and I'm saying, I'm taking, I'm just kind of like a bit of a West period, because it's kind of, one guy hits a punch, and then he kind of, Staggers a bit, then he hits a punch, and the other guy staggers a bit. You get that for, about, for a little bit, um, for Undertaker hits a big boot. Um, so he goes for the tombstone yet again, but Michael elbows his way out of it and hits more flare chops. Um, Taker sends Michael to the corner, but gets a boot to the face. And then we get to the end here because Michael goes for another moonsault, uh, but Taker's still standing up. Mike, Taker managed to catch Shawn Michaels, tackling in midair. And then hit the tombstone to get the win, and I feel that's a great way to end the match. Oh yeah, that was perfect. I mean, it it went back to once again where they try to do everything, and you know, Sean has always been big on taking high risks and doing you know everything he possibly can to to win a match. And here he goes, you know, trying to go for his moonsault one more time, and then you know you see Taker just catch him, and I think that brought everybody out of their chairs and excitement of what what's about to happen. And you see the tombstone go down, and finally, you know, Taker's able to get the three and keep the streak alive. And that was definitely, you know, I think the perfect way to end the match. Because with with the match like that, where you got so many you know near falls and close finishes, that you're gonna want a, a big finish to really sell that match. And I thought something like that where you know sean does a moonsault and taker catches him and hits a tombstone you know that was pretty much the perfect way to cap off you know maybe the greatest match in wrestlemania history yes um and then when the end comes you get uh almost like a celebration pose and for the first time you see the stream like you know have the fireworks and the stream then stage plays that Undertaker is now 17 and 0 and I thought they did that earlier, but I didn't realize it was quite late into the street that they did the display at the end. 
Yeah, I think once they really started to go and do the big stadium shows, that's where they, you know, and you had the you know the bigger sets now where you could do things with the lighting now, and they've they kind of like went into a new generation of how they set up their stages. That uh, this was where you could really you know have that be a yearly thing now, where you flash it on the screen and you have you know the big pyro explosion for when he wins his match and you know it's it's always a cool sight to to see you know taker do his salute that he always does and you know flash on the screen whatever and oh that he is and then the big pyro goes off it's always uh a pretty cool sight to see yeah um i think with this match it's um it's probably i personally think it's the best match in the streak um probably but i've never never watched it live i think i've only seen like five well, not, not that many of them actually probably live. Um, but with this one, I think the main challenge that they have for the street now is that the vast the majority, from say ninety five to ninety nine percent of all the fans think Dante is is going to win. And the challenge that W have to do is to make you think that Undertaker could actually lose. And I think in that match they really accomplished that. Oh, they definitely did, and I agree. That is something that is that is hard to do with the Undertaker because you know, especially when he faces guys like Shawn Michaels, Triple H, and you know his upcoming match with Brock Lesnar, where you feel like guys like that, it wouldn't make sense for them to to break the streak. So, what can you do during the match to make people suspend their disbelief and actually get you know emotionally involved? And that's where you tip your cap to guys like that who know how to get that emotion out of the fans and Sean did it twice with Taker and I think Triple H did it twice with Taker you know I was there live for Triple H uh, Taker Hell in a Cell in Miami for WrestleMania 28 and I can tell you I knew the Undertaker was going to win but there were times during that match where I popped out of my seat thinking it was going to end didn't have much of that when we went last year as well to see Taker and Punk but still you know the match was was great and probably the best match that night but you know these guys just know because they've been around for so long that they know how to take the crowd on a roller coaster of emotions through the match to make you think that something like that one of them is going to finally be able to break the streak, and that just you know shows the the veteran leadership that all these guys have. Yes. Um, so obviously this year, uh, say it's going to fit Brock, Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania 30. Uh, do you think that's a good choice? Um, it, it, it's a it's a tricky one because you know you, I've kind of wanted to see Taker now start going against more of the younger guys and you know they got a little bit of that last year with Punk even though Punk's not a complete younger guy but I just you know with him going two years in a row with Sean and then he went two years in a row with Triple H I wanted something different where you know make me really believe that the streak could be in jeopardy and like I said I don't really believe that Brock Lesnar is going to be the one to break the streak because I just don't think it makes sense for a guy that shows up three times a year to be the one to end that Uh, I think that they're going to go out and have a good match though because I think it's going to be you know a very physical type fight because you know Brock was in the UFC he was the UFC heavyweight champ you know Taker like like I said is a big MMA fan I think they're going to do a lot of things like that where they're going to beat the hell out of each other and it's just going to be physically appealing to the eye to see that take place uh but I would, you know, like to see Taker, you know, take on like a Bray Wyatt, you know, maybe in the future. And the thing that sucks is that, you know, we know that Taker probably doesn't have many WrestleMania matches left because he is, you know, really up there in age and he's been physically beat up. So we don't know, you know, when the last one will be. And I think 
you know, you have these type of younger guys like a Roman Reigns, a Dean Ambrose. You know, there there were rumors about Daniel Bryan versus The Undertaker. So, you know, something like that is what I'd like to see take place. You know, just for just for one of those guys to get the chance to go in there and face Taker at WrestleMania because, you know, there's always the debate of should the streak end or should, you know, it continue and he retires undefeated. And, you know, you can go on Twitter all the time and you can see this debate take place. Uh, one of my buddies who I had done future endeavors with, Nick Gator, you know, he got into it just a couple of days ago about should the streak end or should it go. Uh, I would, I want the streak, you know, to stay intact. I want yeah. Taker to retire with the streak because, you know, that's the greatest accomplishment you can have in that company, I think, is that you can say, you know, you've never been defeated at the biggest show of the year. Taker has done it, you know, 20, what, 21 straight times now. Yeah. So to him to have that retire undefeated, I think, and be the only one to do that is a great accomplishment. And I think we're in this day and age of wrestling where even if you have, you know, like a Roman Reigns or, or a uh, Bray Wyatt defeat the streak and end it, I just don't think that wrestling as a whole is big enough to the point where you're going to get all these people to come back like it was in the attitude era to make it a big boom period again so i just don't think that it's gained as much to the point where you could really you know benefit from having somebody beat the streak at this point and i don't know if i'd had the faith in the company themselves in order to make sure that this guy would be pushed to the moon and he'd have you know all the glory that a john cena had you know in order if he beat the streak so and it's always tricky because he could the guy who does it could be one injury away to the point where he could never wrestle again and now you beat the streak and you can't do anything with it so to me you know taker has been probably the most loyal guy vince mcmahon has ever had you know he's been there since 1990 he never jumped ship to wcw he never held out of money you know we've never heard stories of him holding out for money even though there was one of those ridiculous dirt sheet stories last year that he wasn't going to show up at wrestlemania because he wants a bigger payday which i thought was absolutely laughable uh so for a guy like that he's done everything he could possibly do you know in the company let him just have the streak retire so when he goes into the hall of fame you can build the whole thing about him being undefeated at wrestlemania yeah i mean um to go back to that i mean I mean, WWE probably to be right now. They seem to be focusing a lot on like Cena or Orton. I know, like Brian's kind of, kind of going up there at the minute. But I can't. Session probably I wouldn't be interested to see a Brian Undertaker match. Uh, but the only person who I could see possibly facing Undertaker would be John Cena. But I want him nowhere near it. <laughs> See, I'm I'm kind of the opposite. I I I think Taker's last match should be with John Cena, just because of the fact that the emotion, because it's gonna put the doubt in people's minds that John Cena will be the one to end it. Because you'll just believe that you know he, John Cena beats everybody, so he's gonna yeah, beat yeah. the Undertaker. They're gonna do that. I don't think they'd actually do that, and I I don't think John Cena would even allow it to do. If even if Vince McMahon went up to Cena and told him, John, tonight at WrestleMania you're gonna beat the Undertaker, I think John Cena would say, No, I'm not. Taker's beating me, so I don't think even John Cena would allow it to happen, but just for the fact that everybody would be on their, the edge of their seats for this match, to me, would make it an incredible match because of the emotion that would be involved with it, so selfishly, I want to see that match take place at WrestleMania, and I think that that's the last obstacle that The Undertaker has left, because he 
those two have never really crossed paths. They crossed paths, I think, for a brief stint, like in 2003, and that's when John Cena was doing the rapper thing and Taker was the American badass. So since John Cena has become the megastar that he is and The Undertaker has been the dead man, they've never faced each other. So I think you know them never facing each other and putting the doubt in people's minds that Cena could be the one to end it, I think would make for an amazing WrestleMania match. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not. It's, that's not really the reason why I don't want him there. It's just that he very rarely lose cleanly. He's always like some nefarious mean. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I'm worried about is that I don't, I don't think Cena will actually do it. Say it himself, but probably the traitor team will, because obviously Cena's there. Obviously, they're practically full time. And and if they do some of that, I don't know. Let's like, say some guy like interferes or something like that, and you know, one of them hits a tombstone, takes advantage of it. I think that might hate the match and you don't want a match like that having that kind of ending yeah exactly I think I think Cena has enough pull in the company and we know Taker has enough pull in the company yeah. to the point where they're going to dictate what exactly happens in their match and how it plays out yeah okay um, so uh, Corey where can we find you in the internet uh, you can find me on Twitter at Corey Santiago. Uh, that's C O R E Y Corey and Santiago, all one word. Uh, on Twitter, follow me along. Uh, if you're an MMA fan, I'll always be live tweeting the UFC shows, providing results of what's going down. Uh, always online when there's a, a WWE show taking place, whether it's Raw, SmackDown, pay per view, NXT, you name it, I'll be there. Uh, talking about it so follow me if you're a wrestling fan ufc fan a sports fan whatever you are uh, i'm down to talk about pretty much anything yes, um, as for me you can follow me on twitter at lowdown wrestling uh, my website is lowdownwrestling.blogspot.com um just a minute to focus on pay-per-view reviews and then after wrestlemania after love this uh podcast series i'll be looking to make like more opinion pieces so um Corey, thank you again for being on the show no problem, man. Thanks for having me. I had a fun time. Yes, and uh, join me next time as I'll be with Joe Drilling from What's in the Maneuver podcast. I will discuss the rematch this match at WrestleMania 26. So, until um, then, uh, thank you for listening and goodbye. That's them both done.